You're listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Kevin Myers as he delivers Super Bowl Sunday 2019. Come on now, is everybody fired up to be here for Super Bowl Sunday? Well done, Matt and Travis. Give it up for Matt and Travis across all the campuses. Woo! Yeah, good fun today. Now, if you don't know 12 Stone, last night we had the Coaches Leadership Network that is our way as a church of of pouring into and giving ourselves away. We literally pour leadership into the life of coaches who pour into our kids. There's a couple thousand coaches here, and we had Ernie Johnson, and and we had John Maxwell, and and we had Jeff Saturday, the uh, center under Peyton Manning for the Colts, and and, and we just had an awesome time with Tony Dungy. So this was spectacular. We we gave some award away to to, to the coach of the year. Church, what we were able to do to for that event was fantastic. So well done, church. Way to give yourself away. Now, if you happen to be among us today because you are at the Coaches Leadership Network, thanks for coming. I mean, we are here to serve you in any way we can on your faith journey and the impact in the whole of your life. So thanks for being our guests. Now, I had my first chance to, uh, to meet Tony Dungy, and what a, what a great guy, and, and here, here was my moment with him, it was just, it, it was a brief moment, because I wanted to help him, you, you'll see why. Tony, uh, it is an absolute joy to meet you, this is my first chance to, to, to meet you, and watch you, and just so grateful for who you are, but Tony, can you give everybody right now your full name, what is your full official birth name? My name is Anthony Kevin Dunsey. And I have one piece of advice for you. Your greatness is in your middle name. Use it more often. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was fun. He didn't know what was coming. He looked, he said, what are we doing right now? I said, just go with me, Tony. Just go with me. All right, all right. Uh, Greatness is in the name. So they're going to sit down for us. Ernie Johnson sat down last night with Tony. Obviously, Tony can't be live with us. He's in Super Bowl stuff uh, all day. But, but he, he, he graciously gave us some time and had a wonderful interview that I think is going to be impacting for you. So you got your teaching notes. Here's Ernie. Here's Tony. Here's the first half teaching. Get the good stuff out of this. All right, Coach. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, sir. Wow. For a guy who's won it as a player with the Pittsburgh Steelers, won it as a coach with the Indianapolis Colts, what is this moment? I mean, the Sunday morning, 
before the Sunday night like? Both first as a player, what's it like? As a player, you're just worried about yourself. How can I make sure I'm going to do my job, do everything I'm supposed to do? What are my assignments? And I feel good. I, I just need that energy to play. As a coach, you're worried. Did I do everything right? Do I have the guys ready? Are we on that emotional point that we need to be? Are we too far over? Did we work too? You're thinking about a million things. You just want the game to get yeah, here. I mean, are there, were there times as a coach where you said, I wish we had done this during preparation, or have you swept every corner at this point? I mean, you've, you're ready, just somebody fast forward the, the wash so we can play the Usually game. Usually you're ready, you feel like you're ready, but I tell you, our Super Bowl 41, we had, we're playing the Bears, Devin Hester is their big threat kick returner. We practiced for two weeks to not give him the ball. <laughs> the chapel service, the chaplain talks about David and Goliath. He said, you know why David was successful? He was the only guy that wasn't afraid. He went right at Goliath. So now I'm thinking, man, we can't play scared of Devin Hester. We're, we're doing it the wrong way. We got to be like David, go right at him. So I come in and tell the team, if we lose the toss, we're kicking off it's right down the middle. When we pound him, they'll know we mean business. We're going to be just like David. We kicked off. He ran 98 yards the other way. I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> so I wish the game had come a little earlier before the chapel service. Uh, but but uh, the bottom line is you win the game. You're a Super Bowl winning coach. Is there any way to compare winning it as a player and winning it as a coach? And which is more special or which is more, you know, the significance of you winning as a coach? You were the first black head coach of a Super Bowl champion. You know, so was, there was that historical significance, but personally, what was it? No, I, I was excited as a player, but winning it as a coach, um, they're building the podium afterwards. You're gonna go up and be on TV and accept the trophy and speak. And as they're building that podium and I, I'm looking and our families are down on the field and players are hugging their wives and their kids and the whole stadium, the Chicago people had left, so. All of our fans from Indy are coming to one side of the stadium, and you realize, man, we, we did this, our organization, our families, our fans, the city, you know, we, we did this for everyone, and it, it was a really, really special feeling. And then, of course, I knew I was going to have 30 seconds in front of 140 million people. So what am I going to say? What is this all about? And Jim Nance, he asked me about that, you know, African American, first African American coach to win it. And I said, I'm really proud to represent African American coaches, but more than that, I'm proud to show people you can win the Lord's way. And as a Christian coach, we could do it this way and be successful. And I knew 100 million people were going to hear that. Um, that was special. How long did it take for you to be comfortable using that platform? You know, I, very early on, uh, when I got to the Steelers as an assistant coach, Coach Noel hired me, and the first thing he told me was, don't try to be me, be yourself. I hired you because I believe in who you are, so don't change. And when he told me that, I said, well, part of who I am is a Christian, and I, I can never lose that part of it. And uh, as I climbed the ladder, got from assistant coach to coordinator to head coach, you get more and more opportunities. You get more 
uh, people interviewing you. They want to know about your personal life. They want to know everything about you. And so I just felt like, okay, this is a platform I have. I need to utilize this. And uh, if I do it in the right way, I can help people come to the Lord. I just got to make sure I do it the right way. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a key word. That's a key phrase, doing it the right way. Because, I mean, what would you say to the average Joe who's a Christian in the workplace? And there are certainly times when you're a Christian in the workplace where, hey, look out, there's the Christian in the workplace. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so what's your advice? My advice is, number one, you've got to live it so people say, wow, you know, I, I, I respect that. Okay. And if I can live that way and they respect where I'm coming from, they know I'm not a fraud, they know I'm not saying one thing and doing something else, that's, that's the first thing that's going to give me credibility. And then I've got to pray and use discernment about when to speak it and how to speak it. Um, there's a way to speak the truth in love. There's a way to uh, do it the right way and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this in a helpful way, not in a demeaning way, not in a judgmental way, but I'm going to do it the way Jesus would want to do it. It's not always going to come across well. Not everybody's going to accept it, but if I'm doing it the right way with the right heart, with that discernment, uh, I, can, I can sleep at night. You're a Hall of Famer. And in your Hall of Fame locker, there's an open Bible. Give me the story behind that. I was an assistant coach at, at Minnesota with the Vikings for four years. Our chaplain was a man named Tom Lamphere, one of my closest friends in life. And he told me, he said, you're going to be a head coach one day. And I don't know when that's going to come, but when it comes, you need to be ready. And the best manual you can get, I think, on leadership is the book of Nehemiah. So for two years, every Monday morning, we would meet, and we went through the book of Nehemiah about biblical leadership. And so um, when I had a chance, to, the Hall of Fame said, we want to get some things, uh, your locker, your shorts, your shoes, your whistle, your cap, and anything else that's important to you. If there's a special football or what, we'll put it in there. And I said, well, well if you want to know, ask. Yeah, <laughs> you want to really know what's important about my coaching style, let's have that Bible open in Nehemiah chapter 1. Your book, The Soul of a Team. Soul is an acronym. Take me through it. Four things that we think are important for leadership, bringing people together, creating a, a winning team, whatever that is, sports, family, uh, business, selflessness. You've got to get people to be unselfish. The O is for owning your role. Okay? Can't have 53 quarterbacks. The team, we're not going to be very good. Can't have 53 stars. We're not going to be very good. Everybody has to have a role, and I've got to be willing to play my role the best that I can and be excellent in it, even if I don't agree with it. The U is unity. Got to be together. Even though we're diverse personalities, we come from different backgrounds, city, country, white, black, North, South, Republican, Democrat. But when we're on the team, we got to be able to put all that behind us and focus on one thing, and that's the team being the best it can be. Those things aren't natural. It's not in us to be unselfish. It's not in us to accept roles that we don't like. 
It's not in us to be unified with people that we might not believe the same thing. So how do we get that done? The L is you have to have a larger purpose. If I'm only there for winning, if I'm only there to uh, get a new contract, if I'm only there for individual things, even winning, we can say, oh, we want to win. Well, everybody wants to win. But uh, when I went to Pittsburgh, one of the things I'll, I'll never forget when you're a rookie and you make the team, Mr. Rooney Sr., Art Rooney at that time, was the owner. He would sit down with you and say, welcome to the Steelers. You're going to have a lot of benefits. You're going to have people cheering for you in cold weather, waving towels, buying your jerseys. It's going to be awesome, but you can't just take it. You've got to give back. You're representing those fans now. We want you to move into the city, be part of the city, develop a connection with this community. And you understood that as a rookie. Hey, I'm not just playing for myself. I'm not just playing for my teammates. I'm playing for this whole city. And there's no question in my mind that's why that team of the 70s was able to stay on top for a long period of time because we bought into that larger purpose. So that's how you got to have soul, and that's how you develop a winner. Yeah. yeah. You, in your book, you talk about when you're when you're talking about being selfless, and you talk about a game against the Packers, and you've got one of the greatest running backs in history, a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame, Edwin James. And you throw the ball in 22 straight plays. First 22 plays of the game. Tom Moore is our offensive coordinator. He said, if they blitz, they cannot cover our receivers. We're going to throw every down if they keep blitzing. Well, they kept blitzing. We kept throwing. Peyton's eating them up. <laughs> We're scoring. Yeah, yeah, man, yes, yeah. but we are scoring. And Edron James, all he's doing is blocking linebackers. They're coming at him. Pow, 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 pow. This maybe the best back in football. Doesn't carry the ball one time in, in the first 22 plays. All he does is block. Never said one word. I'll give you another one better than that. We're at the end of the 2004 season, the last game of the year doesn't matter to us. We've got everything wrapped up. We can't move up or down. So I come in and say, we're going to rest the starters. Uh, you know, we're not going to play you in this game. So we go out to Denver. We don't play our starters. We're flying back. One of our players says, Reggie Wayne had a $150,000 bonus if he caught two more passes this year. I, I, was, I went back. I said, Reggie, why didn't you tell me? He said, Coach, you gave us the game plan. That's how we roll. Wow. Never said one word to me. The next week in the playoff game, our first playoff game, Reggie set a team record, caught 10 passes, 220 yards. He's happier that we're winning a playoff game than he would have been getting a $150,000 bonus. As a coach, is there anything more satisfying than seeing that kind when of an example? You say, boy, we preach this, we've talked about it. And that's what it is. And then you can demonstrate that to the younger guys. You don't even have to say it after that. When the older guys get it and they show it like that, you, you know you made an impact. How did you stay true to your values? Because, Tony, you and I both know, look, you're, you're dealing with ownership, you're dealing with upper management, who may not see life the same way you see yeah. life. How'd you stay true to what you believe? I, I just felt like... That's where the Lord had me, and he was trusting me to do it the way I'd been taught. My mom and dad taught me. Uh, Coach Noel, you know, I was blessed to be under him for 10 years. I knew the right things to do, and, and the toughest thing sometimes is to stick with it. 
uh, especially when you're not getting the results. Uh, I went to Tampa and I thought, man, everything's going to be great. I've got this job. I know how to do it. I've been trained. And we start out one and eight. And you get the rumors and the reports in, in the newspaper. Well, then he's not tough enough on him. He's not this. It's not that important. He's going home early. Um, you know, he's not the right guy. And everybody's wanting you to change. But I, I remember telling our players, this is the right way. We're going to make this work. And I, I just felt like I couldn't leave what I knew I was supposed to do. And if God didn't have it work, that was up to him. You think you'll ever coach again? I will not. I had a great Don't time. Don't go on <laughs> because, because I was going to say, if you do, could I play for you? Oh, you could play for me anytime. Dude, such a pleasure. Mm. Such a pleasure to see you um, on a, such a busy time as Super Bowl weekend. And, and in keeping with the theme here at 12 Stone today, there's kind of a, a theme that everybody's playing Rock, paper, scissors. I heard. You gonna give that a go one time? How do, what do you do, one, two, three, boom? Is that Rock, how we do? paper, scissors, boom. Okay, let's go. Rock, paper, scissors, boom. Ooh, how strange is that? Rock, paper, scissors, boom. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors, boom. <laughs> I stuck to my guns. Yeah, I like that, though. Man. I like that conviction. Yeah. Well. I probably would have kicked a Devin Hester, too. <laughs> Thanks, Trey. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. You got it. And there's your beautiful baby. Any day now. Really? You're eating Doritos? He's eating Doritos on my ultrasound. Do you see what I have to do? I know. Hey, well, what an incredible first half. And now brought to you by Doritos and all the other 12 Stone campuses. Let's give it up for the 12 Stone Halftime Show. Before the thunder 
Good job, guys. Hey, what'd you think about that halftime show, buddy? Who cares? You stole the show. You always steal the show. At this point, it's getting a little old, don't you think? Wow, what's your problem? What's your problem? I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. What, are you just gonna copy me? Oh, what, just gonna copy me? Sounds about right. I'm talking to a third grader. Sounds about right. I'm talking to a third grader. All right, honestly, dude, you know what? When you get jealous, you get a little immature, and right now, you're acting like a child, so you kind of need to grow up. What? <laughs> oh, sorry about that, guys. My bad. All right, you ready to kick off the second half? Whoa, wait a minute. Did you eat the last donut, you jerk? First half, guys, 
Let's give it up right now. Hey, I found it. Okay. I found it. I found it. Sorry, hold on. I forgot. I keep an emergency donut in my office safe. I, I got one. Don't worry. Wait, go ahead. Come on. A lot of people have office safes. Dude, is that what you think? Never mind. All right. You know what? Go Let's ahead. go ahead and hop right into the second half with the teaching by our senior pastor, Kevin Myers. Woo! So welcome, everybody, to the second half. Do you enjoy the first half? Then EJ, EJ and Dungy did an amazing job, an amazing job. Now listen, before Tony Dungy had a 2007 Super Bowl team with Super Bowl rings, he had a setback in the 2005 season. See, in that season, they won 13 games consecutively. They were the favored for the playoffs and the Super Bowl. But when they got in divisional playoff, the team broke down. They lost. They were out. We later, Coach Dungy lamented. Man, he said, I just, I thought this. Everybody else thought this. Man, if our team can't win with this kind of season, will our team ever win? I mean, when the team breaks down, when team isn't working, what do you do? When, when team marriage isn't working, what do you do? When team family isn't working, what do you do? When team business isn't working, when team church, when team small group, when your sports team isn't working, what do you do? It's a great question we're all asking. And by the way, the answer to that question, what do you do when the team isn't working, is the same answer to what you keep doing when the team is working. And, and in the first half, Tony Dungy touched on this, and we're going to crystallize this in today's conversation because Jesus, he was building a team of the 12 disciples to go change the world, and, and his team was breaking down. We know that because in Matthew chapter 20, it gives us the story that you got the 12 disciples, and, and, and it, kind of at the center of it, of course, is Jesus, but it was Peter, James, and John. Those three seemed to be kind of the inner circle, and then James and John decided, hey, Really, we've looked around the 12 disciples, and we think we're it. <laughs> we're the superstars. We're the greatest. So they had their mommy go to Jesus and say, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, when you get your Super Bowl win, when you become all that we've imagined you'd become, could my son sit on your right and left? Could they sit in the positions of honor? <laughs> well, the other disciples heard this. They got ticked off. I mean, the team isn't working. Jesus is two years into building a team. He's got a three-year plan. It's breaking down. Listen, because the team, the team was competing with each other instead of cooperating with each other. And that team can't win. And Jesus used it as a teaching moment. He said, guys, come, come here. Let me, let me gather you together. Let me help you understand what you do when team isn't working. And it's insightful. In fact, I'll just, I'll read it for you, what Jesus said in Matthew 20. He called them together. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. In other words, they make it about themselves. 
Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, Jesus talking about himself, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You ready to take some notes? Check out your teaching notes. There's a couple things we need to know here in the second half. God, Jesus has given us some insight to his disciples for us. First of all, get a bigger picture. Everybody say it with me. Get a what? A bigger picture. One more time, cross campuses. Get a what? Bigger picture. You're playing for a bigger team. Disciples, catch on. Wake up. Figure out what greatness is. Greatness is not you being elevated in the team. Greatness is you cooperating and being a part of a team. And by the way, guys, the bigness here is not you. It's Jesus. Like, Jesus is the only super. He put the super in supernatural. You want to be in a Super Bowl, go with the one who's supernatural. This is who Jesus is. Let's, let's put it on the screen. This is from John chapter 1. Before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He has always been alive and is himself God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. Eternal life is in him, and this life gives light to all mankind. You want to talk about who's important and who's the center and who has greatness? That's Jesus. And you guys are all wrapped up in your little story and your little self. Listen, when you are wrapped up in yourself, you can never be part of a team. If we're honest, that's part of what's killing our marriage and our family, our business. It kills a church. It kills a small group. I mean, well, you can't rise up to a bigger picture. By the way, next week we launch a series, Grown Up Faith. And part of the point of that series is to look at God's bigger purpose, bigger picture. See, we all have questions. And we're going to talk about the 10 big questions. Things like, is, is life an accident or am I here on purpose? And why do bad things happen to good people? And there's 10 great questions. And I told you, 18 months ago, two years ago, God's put something on our church for us together and wrote the book, Grown Up Faith, and, and it's finally here, and we're going to go get into this series, and we're going to look at God's big picture. Most people don't understand the big story of what on earth God is doing. We're going to look from Genesis to Revelation over the six weeks. I mean, this is going to be just mind-blowingly transforming, because God created us to grow up. Well, God created the disciples to grow up as well, but you've got to get out of your little picture, and that breaks down the family. When you, when you compete with each other. Are you competing with each other in the very places you're supposed to be team? In other words, are, are you creating a rock, paper, scissors competition inside your team? Were you hoping the other guy or other gal loses? You know, part of what was breaking down in my early marriage, and I didn't know it, I didn't see it, I didn't understand it, is that when I got married, I want to build a team, but, but I was having rock, paper, scissor competitions all the time with my wife. I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to be right. See? See? I won. I, I'm competing with the very one I'm supposed to be cooperating with. We, we would trade selfishness. Whose turn to blow the budget? Paper, scissors. Oh, it's my turn. We, we weren't paying attention that when one loses in the family, we all lose. We keep thinking, you do rock, paper, scissors, you win, they lose, awesome. No, it's not. Not if you're on the same team. Because a teammate can't lose and you win. 
or you cease being a team. See, Jesus was trying to get them to kind of wake up. Here's my question. Are you competing with people who are supposed to be on your team? Maybe. Maybe what Jesus taught his disciples, we need to learn. No rock, paper, scissors competitions inside the team. By the way, do you, were you not impressed? Don't you want to just say, oh my goodness, <laughs> wow, how did Travis get to the media and do rock, paper, scissors with everybody, including Gronk? Don't you want to just say, okay, that was impressive. That was awesome. By the way, just, just for the fun church, there, there were other reporters down there, of course. This was massive media. And, 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 we, and this story popped up from San Bernardino of the Sun newspaper. And here's a quote from the reporter. All I know is that no one can hear anything. This is at the media day. Players can't hear questions. Media can't hear answers. Music is pounding. The NFL Network is conducting its own interviews over the loudspeakers, drowning out everything else. The most productive exchange at each table appears to be the guy challenging player after player to the game of rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> I just, it still kills me. I'm that spectacular. In fact, you know what? We shouldn't be done with this. We, we've been playing with it. Why don't we play with it all week? We, we, got, we got our own challenge. Why don't you go do rock, paper, scissors all week? Here's what I'm saying. Why don't you go find the most creative way to do rock, paper, scissors? You figure it out. You do it as creative as you can. Film it and send it to hashtag 12 stone. We'll collect them all. Send them out on social media. But next week, we'll play like the top 10. So you got to get creative with this. It may be the most famous person you can find. You may do it underwater. The loser may have to jump in Lake Lanier when it's cold. I don't know. You figure something out crazy. Do a whole bunch of them. We'll have fun with it on social media. Everybody got it? Tell your neighbor, I got it. All right, we'll have fun with it all week. We'll play it next weekend. That'll be part of the fun in the launch of the series. But we gotta get back to the teaching. Jesus is saying, you gotta get beyond yourself and you don't have competition within the team. Not only do you have to get the big picture, but listen, you have to get over yourself and serve. That's number two, jot it down. You have to get over yourself and serve. That's how you build team. See, Peter was offended when James and John said, why don't we take the right and the left of Jesus? But many years later, Peter wrote something. Check this out. In 1 Peter chapter 4. The end of all things is near, which kind of means, hey, get the big picture. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Everybody say that with me. Love covers a multitude of sins. One more time, loud and proud. Love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have, whatever gift you've received to serve. To what? Serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You know what You know what I think Peter is saying? He said, you know, back in the day, two of my brothers on the team offended me. And I should have overlooked that slight. Love should cover a multitude of sins. And you know why that's difficult? Because people are annoying. <laughs> right? Aren't people annoying? Do you, do you know there is a way to put toilet paper on the holder? 
How many of you put it so it's on the top, rolling over the top? How many of you put it so it rolls under? You're wrong. It doesn't roll under. And I've got proof. I did research. In 1891, when the patent was settled for the toilet paper holder, it says in the patent, it rolls on the external over the top. And then there's a whole nother group of you. You're the group who never puts it on the holder. What is wrong with you? You put it on the holder. That doesn't, don't do, you put it on the floor. Or you put it behind your, why do we have a holder if we're not using it, people? Oh, people can be annoying. When Marcia and I got married, she was so annoying. We would be in social circles, and, and, and I'm fairly outgoing, and we're talking. I'm like, hey, why don't you come over tonight? And they said, we'd love to. And on the drive home, they're behind us, and we're in the car having a fight. What is wrong with you? She said, you are just so, you're just so impulsive. I said, you're so inhospitable. <laughs> well, I'm not ready to have people over. Well, you should always be ready. Scripture says, I mean, I, I mean, you're so disorganized. Out of curiosity, how many people are more impromptu, impulsive people? Just hands up across campuses and more of you. And how many of you are more the planners, kind of organized people? Get, you get it? You know what? We're annoying <laughs> to each other. You know, love should have covered a multitude of sins. I was playing softball uh, several years back there in, in the early days. And, and, and on the team, we were winning. And then we were losing because of a couple of errors from, from the infielders. And we went in the dugout. And I'm like, come on, guys. Pick it up. Pick it up. I'm getting ticked. I'm getting annoyed. I mean, I just, I know it's not going to change the world. It ain't the Super Bowl, but I want to win. And they're messing it up. And, and, and then we're in the, uh, a couple innings later, and we're, we're behind, and we got to get this back. And, 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 and the ball gets hit to center field with bases loaded, and I'm the center fielder. No problem. Finally, let me win it. Ball landed. Popped out. I dropped the ball. I mean, I remember to say, I panicked. Like, I dropped the ball. I never dropped the ball. What, what just happened? While I'm having a panic moment, people are running around the bases scoring. I pick up the ball. I throw it in. You know what? When I ran into the dugout, what do you think I wanted? Love covers a multitude of sins. Come on. We're a team. We're a team. Let's love each other. Everybody drops the ball occasionally. You know, here, that's what I want us to know. You ready? Look at your neighbor and say, you can be annoying. You've wanted to anyway. Just, just say it to him. Just, you can be annoying. Yeah. Some of you are feel better already. Now, 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 now look back at him and say, I can be annoying too. So just go, own this. Some of you are like, I ain't doing that. Yes, you are. You tell your neighbor I can be because I dropped the ball too. You know, listen, <laughs> it, listen, if you want to be part of something super, like a super marriage, a super family, a super team, a super business, a super church. You're going to have to get over yourself and serve. Yes, people are annoying and so are you. <laughs> Listen, we live in a culture that gives permission to be easily offended. Stay with me. And being easily offended means you're just keeping everything about you. Maybe if we would just practice love covers a multitude of sins we would solve 50% of what breaks down in our relationship if we just let it go. 
Come on now. Maybe you just need to get over yourself and serve. That's what Peter was saying he learned. And so I have some action steps for you. They're right at the bottom of your teaching notes. When was the last time you put a team member's needs ahead of your own? Whether it's a spouse, family, friend, coworker, small group member, neighbor, sports team. Wrestle with that. Think about that. I put another one. Are you cooperating to build team or creating competition? <laughs> Are you doing the rock, paper, scissors inside the very team you're supposed to cooperate? Oh, those are, those are meaningful. Maybe you need to take those before God. As I turn the service over to the campus pastors, maybe there's a prayer. God, would you help me see the truth about myself? Would you help me see the big picture? And would you help me get over myself? Your heart. 